Get ready to explore faith, doubt, and all that's in between. Welcome to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Doubting It podcast um, with me, Charlotte Pence Bond. I'm uh, looking forward to this episode today. It's just going to be another monologue and kind of want to discuss some things that are more cultural, that are more um, current events related. I think that there are just a lot of things going on in our culture, and I think that it's important to address them and to kind of talk about what we're supposed to do as Christians and if you are a Christian listening to this and just what the Bible says about these things, because I think that it can be it can be daunting to start thinking about everything going on just in general um, with the election and with COVID-19, obviously, but then also just to remember um, that we are called to act in a different way than the rest of the world. And so I just want to address that. This episode is going to air on election day, which is interesting because I'm recording it a week before. So I'm recording this on Tuesday, October 27th, but it's going to come out on election day. And I just felt like on election day, I wanted to do an episode that was not going to be our typical interviews. I just wanted to really address just what's happening. I think that, you know, the interviews that I've done so far have been really compelling and really cool. And I've learned a lot from them, but I am excited for the ones in the future. But at the same time, um, I don't want to ignore things that are very relevant and very personal to me, but to really to all of us. And so on election day, obviously, it's going to mean a lot for for my family. It's it's always a big day in our family, honestly. I just remember growing up, election day was always a big deal. Um, my dad first ran for Congress in 1988 and then again in 1990, but he lost both times. So he started a radio show and started kind of pursuing his dreams in broadcast media. And um, about 10 years after that second loss in 1990, so in 2000, he decides to run again. And he and my mom decide this together. And I'm actually going to tell you the story about when they decided it because it totally ties into what we're talking about today. So my parents will tell people this story when they hired new staff and they'll tell this this story about when we went on vacation as a family and we went to I think it was Montana but it might have been it might have been Colorado they're going to listen to this and they're going to correct me but um we basically we were into this dude ranch and we were out I think on on a hike as a family and my dad was deciding my parents both were deciding whether or not he should run for congress again and it was kind of this window of opportunity. There was an opportunity for him to run. It kind of presented itself. He had run twice before. You know, it's his hometown of Columbus, Indiana, that that district. And they're not sure if he should do it. And they basically on this vacation are trying to decide that. And you know, he had this good career. He had a good career in broadcast media. He had gone to law school. You know, he he was practicing law before that. He worked at a public policy firm. And so it was these these things that were they were kind of set up. They were going well. He had three little kids, and it was going to be a lot if he decided to run again. And so my mom and my dad are standing on this cliff, and this is a true story, and they look out over the cliff, and they see these two hawks, and they're flying 
but they're not flapping their wings. They're just kind of gliding together. And the wind is kind of carrying them along. And if you've been in the mountains or if you haven't, I mean, you can just imagine this, this sight. This is just this broad span. And these, these hawks are just flying, but they're not doing anything to keep them from plummeting into this assumed, you know, canyon that they're probably hiking around. And they're just letting the wind carry them. And my, my mom says to my dad, if we're going to run again, we're going to run like those two hawks. No flapping. We're going to let God carry us up to a position or not. We're going to glide. And what she meant by that was, we're not going to try to get there on our own. We're not going to do all these things. Like, obviously, you have to do stuff. You have to work hard. But we're not going to start worrying. We're not going to start flapping our wings, afraid we're going to fall, wanting to climb up, wanting to be, you know, ambitious and successful or whatever it is in Washington, D.C., you know, and everywhere that that occurs. We're going to just let God carry us. And if he carries us, then he carries us. And my parents always tell that story and they've told it on election nights before because in the past, we, we used to get little... My parents would have a little talk with staff after an election night. There would be an election night party, and and you know you kind of meet with the staff, and you, you know, after my dad has had won, um, he he won six elections when he was in Congress, and then he won the race for governor. But we would all like gather together, and I remember my mom like telling the story again, and and it's a very it's a very precious story to our family, and it's actually it's in my book called Where You Go: Life Lessons from My Father, and. In my book, I talk about this story and I almost wanted to make it the title of the book because it's so it's it's so real and true to our family. It's something that my parents live out daily. And what that looks like, actually living that out as um, a family in Washington, DC, they did end up running for Congress. We won. We moved to Washington, D.C., which is not actually the norm for most families. A lot of families usually live in the home state um, and the spouse or congressional member moves to Washington, D.C. kind of temporarily. A lot of congressmen and women have like an apartment and then they go back to their district on the weekends. And a lot of families do that. My parents just felt like if they did that, my dad would kind of miss out on our upbringing. We were really young. Again, I think I was... I was like six, definitely, I think, when he was running. Yeah, I was seven when he was elected. Sorry. And, you know, I was in first grade. um, And my dad was in Congress for 12 years. And that would have been my entire schooling that I would have just kind of seen him on the weekends. And my parents talked to some other members of Congress that had done that and had had moved their family out to Washington, D.C. And it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you're totally away from your home, your family, your comfort zone, you're in a totally new environment. Washington, D.C. also is like, I mean, if not very many families are living out there, it does become a little bit transitory, but it's important too for the congressional member to be back in their home state, to be campaigning um, on the weekends or whenever they need to, to be back and to be with the constituents, obviously. And we did, my parents always had a house in Southern Indiana. So we were still very much involved in, in Indiana. And 
when my dad would take trips to go to things, my siblings and I often took turns going with him. So that was a way to kind of include us. And my parents always did that. They always included us in what we were doing, but we didn't have to do anything we didn't want to do. And I write about that in my book as well, that that was so important. It was like, you're you're allowed to be in every meeting, <laughs> every single event, you're allowed to be there up front and center. But if you don't want to go to any, you don't have to go. And that was always the way it was when we were little. And it's, I mean, it's still that way. And, and I think it's, it really encouraged me to find my own things I was passionate about. And I think that happens, you know, for my siblings as well, though I won't speak for them. It, it helps a child, I think, to, to figure out what they want to do when they are given the opportunity um, to watch their parents fulfill their dreams, live out their dreams, follow God's calling on their lives. And so my parents fully felt that they were being called into public service again. And so they decided to run, but again, they wanted to run, not flapping their wings. They didn't want to do it trying to get to the next thing because in Washington, D.C., as you know, any major you know workplace, I mean, it's pretty easy to fall into that, to try to be just going after your own ambition. And I even now, I try to remind myself of that to, to just try your hardest. It doesn't mean you don't try. Do your absolute best. Be the best that you can be at whatever you're doing. But then also allow God to lift you up to the place and just follow his calling and his will for your life. So my dad ran for governor in 2012 and he won that race and we moved back to Indiana. Now that was right when I graduated high school. So I just went up to college in Chicago and that was a big adjustment for our family. Um, that was obviously um, different. I mean, we lived in the governor's residence. Um, we didn't have our own place and it was just a new environment, at least for me, especially as a kid. And I wasn't there as much because I, I was only kind of there in the summers. But, you know, you have staff in the house, which is a thing to get used to. You have security. My parents had security full time. And now they do obviously have that as well. And they live in the vice president's residence as well now. And again, it's crazy because I think that that governor experience prepared them for the role that they're in now. And I think that, again, that's just God's faithfulness. I think he He sets us, he puts us in places um, knowing the full plan ahead of time. My dad says all the time he, he could never have dreamt in his wildest dreams that he would be vice president of the United States because he wanted to always serve in Congress. He always kind of wanted to do that. And being governor was was also just this incredible thing for him. But vice president, I mean, it was like, what? And so now, I think now looking back, you can just really see. I mean, if you had gone from Congress to vice president or president, and people do that, again, I mean, I know it's been done, um, especially I mean, using Congress as like the Senate and the House together. I think that that would be hard. And I mean, again, most people do, do kind of have that route and that's fine, but um, to go again from not having security to to having this to also living in a residence that's not you know your own. It's just little things to get used to, and I think that God was preparing our whole family for this transition by us uh, moving back to Indiana for Him to be governor. And so I just want to I wanted to tell that story quick first off, just because it's it's an interesting thing to look back on and just see the ways that God 
is faithful and he does have a plan. And so I want to encourage you if you're nervous today on election day, just to remember that God has a plan for us. And there's a lot of unrest right now in our nation. There's a lot of uncertainty. People seem very divided. I would I would encourage you to look at history though and like read read some biographies seriously from like, you know, the starting of our country because you will see there's always been division among humans. Yes, it's bad right now. It's pretty intense, but we also have the media landscape where we can kind of be hearing about it all the time. You know, I mean, even I'm I'm reading the Frederick Douglass uh, biography right now and it's super interesting, but even in the abolitionist movement to get rid of slavery, there were different groups that kind of didn't agree with each other on strategy. So even within these organizations that are doing good or they're these community groups of people that are striving to make a difference and to make change, even back then they were disagreeing with each other pretty intensely. And, um, you know, there were like things in the papers about one another. And, and it was just, it was, it was always intense and Americans voice their opinions. They always have, and they always will. But I just want to remind you that I know there's uncertainty right now, but to also just have faith that things have been uncertain in the past and God has been faithful. And um, at the same time, just to remember that Christians are meant to be different. And we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And thank you again so much for joining us. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Well, welcome back to the Doubting It podcast. Um, today we're talking about election day and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to walk you guys through basically what I've kind of found the scripture to talk about how Christians are meant to act in regards to politics and talking about politics. So that's a big question. People, I feel like ask a lot, like how are Christians supposed to act within politics? Because if you think you can act in politics, you can only be super mean. That's not true. Obviously that is not true, but it can seem that way sometimes. So first of all, I just want to say, you know, we are supposed to respect authority. We are respecting authority because we are respecting who God has placed in authority. So just, we need to remember that. So um, regardless, you know, of results of elections, we respect the person that God has placed in authority. Romans 13 talks about that saying, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So it says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. <laughs> so remember, you're, you're not resisting the authorities as much as you're resisting the people that God put in place. And so that's a way to just remember how you act toward authority, toward these elected leaders is important. And we are supposed to act in accordance of that, but also to remember that it's, it's not about necessarily the human beings themselves that we're supposed to idolize. We're supposed to be respecting God by respecting them because he has put them in place. And also it's another way to, I think, kind of humble ourselves and remember that we don't know the full picture. We don't know the full plan. Now, when we are 
asked to do something that's strictly against what God has instructed us, that's another side of this. So in Acts, Peter and the apostles, they're arrested for preaching the gospel. And in this case, they're they're not following you know, authority. They're following God. So there are situations in which we are meant to follow God and to, again, follow his will. But you have to be super careful about that and just be make sure that your heart is right with God, that you are praying, that you are fervently asking him what he's wanting you to do. And we have to be sure we're following God's will again and not our own. And we're not just going against authority because we decided that that's the right thing to do because we are supposed to respect the leaders that are ahead of us. Again, Jesus says, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's in paying taxes, saying, you know, God has put those people in authority over us. So the Bible is very clear. We don't just have a free pass not to follow the law. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that you are meant to follow the law and um, to remember that God's in control. And second, I mean, the way that we conduct ourselves matters in politics and in talking about these cultural issues. It's not just that we're supposed to respect authority. We're supposed to act in a manner that reflects God's love for us as Christians. And this is different than a lot of people live, okay? And then that's, just be honest about it. Like, it's it's not easy to do. It's not easy to not just send out a tweet or just get really frustrated and really mad. And I know I, I'm human. I do that too. But we are supposed to be different because, and I think it's true. I mean, you know, you talk to people sometimes who are kind of like, well, yeah, that person's a Christian, but they do all the same exact things that, you know, so-and-so does or I do. And like, they're not living any differently. Like, what's the point of being a Christian? Like, they're just being a hypocrite. That's definitely the case sometimes. And so we have to remember to watch that. I, I came across Titus 3 when I was like, I don't even, I was like looking through my Bible app like late at night and I just came across it. And I honestly not sure if I've ever read the book of Titus before. <laughs> It's one of those like, it's a very tiny book and it's just funny because I literally was like, I don't know if I've ever actually read this, but it's so good. Like it's awesome. But Titus chapter three, I started reading kind of regularly a few months ago and I was starting a project. I just wanted to make sure that I had my heart and my mind in the right place and it became kind of my little uh, mission statement. But then at the same time, I've just kind of kept reading it now that the project's even over. So I, I read it pretty regularly um, really every day. And it just helps me to remember a few things, just how to act with people, right? It, it talks about, it's, it says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. So there you go. That's the, you know, that's what we were talking about. To be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So that's the beginning. So this is basically saying, yes, Submit to rulers and authorities, be obedient, be ready for every good work. Be ready for whatever God is is calling you to do because he is going to call you to do things and you you need to be ready for it. And a lot of that is is praying, following him and making sure that your heart and your mind are in the right place and whatever that might look for you. And you might know right now I'm not in that place. I'm like keeping my head above water, barely getting through the day dealing with, you know, my kids or my friends or my family or my work. Yeah. And you know what? This is a stressful time, stressful time for everybody, but we're meant to be ready for any opportunity to do good. 
And again, then he goes in to speak to speak evil of no one to avoid quarreling. That's a big one, right? Don't quarrel. <laughs> Don't quarrel. There's a lot of quarreling that we do. And it's okay to debate, I think. I mean, I'm not, you know, re like inserting things into the gospel here, but we can debate respectively, respectfully and not quarrel to speak evil of no one. Okay. To call, I think we can call evil out when we see it, but speaking evil of other people, that's, that's a tough thing to stop doing. I'm not going to lie. Like once you have kind of, you have this one person and you're just so annoyed with them and you just want to go tell your friends, but you know, it's like not going to end well. It's not going to fix anything for you to go bad talk them to people. You're not supposed to do it. To be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. We don't know. We don't know what people are going through. Okay. And we don't know really why even people have specific political views all the time. Like, let's be honest about that. I mean, people don't have the same political views. Neighbors don't. I mean, in my neighborhood, I can see Biden signs and Trump signs on like the same like block. Like it's, it's great. I love that. But we don't, we don't know necessarily like what people are going through, why they have a specifically held political belief. And let's just be compassionate and show courtesy to them when we enter into these conversations. And you're supposed to, you're supposed to love one another. And, you know, we, we see that again and again. We're supposed to do everything in love. But Titus 3 goes on and it, it explains not only how we're supposed to act, but actually why we're supposed to act. And there was a great uh, sermon by um, the pastor Ben Stewart of Passion City, D.C. um, a couple weeks ago. And I was listening. I'm actually, I don't even know because I was just listening to the podcast when he actually did it. But I was floored because I was listening to it and he was going through Titus 3. And I never, I honestly don't think I've like read Titus 3 before, like I said. But it was awesome because I knew (laughs) and basically knew by heart. And again, he, check out that podcast for sure, Passion City, DC, but he kind of walked you through too. Like, it's not only how we're supposed to act, it's actually why. So Titus 3 goes on and says, for we were, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So we, we were once like that. Right. But then says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay, that's that's it right there. Not only are you supposed to do all these things, but here's why. Because once you were lost, you were once, you know, he's saying we were once foolish, disobedient. We were, we were hating one another, but God saved us, right? Jesus died for us. And that's why we're just, so we're justified by his grace. Okay. And we get eternal life. We get the hope of eternal life because of him, not because of anything we did. Like we didn't deserve it because we were struggling. We were lost. And even it goes on to kind of the the chapter to says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they're unprofitable and worthless. I love that. Avoid foolish controversies. Okay. Just, just avoid them. 
there's conversations you can enter into with people that are fruitful, that are good. We have a system of government where we can talk about issues openly and freely. We can debate. We can disagree. You can come up to me and you can debate me about things that I believe. And you're totally free to do that. That's an amazing thing. I mean, our country is an amazing country. There are countries in the world where this is not the case today. I mean, a lot. It's not like that rare. And we have to remember that. So when my dad was governor of Indiana, you know, there were people obviously that didn't agree with him on everything. And there would be things that came up and people would get mad. We had protesters, you know, put signs like in our neighborhood where the governor's residence was that said Pence must go. So they were, you know, saying like he had to be, you know, out of office. And my dad would always say he would see those signs and he would say, that's what freedom looks like. And I'm not just saying that as like an anecdote. Like he he's literally says that. He says it to this day all the time when he sees protesters. He says, that's what freedom looks like. And he's right. Freedom means that we have the ability to disagree. But as Christians, we are supposed to do it in a very specific way because we're emulating Christ's love for us and for other people because we don't deserve God's love. But he sacrificed his son in order to save us. So we need him. And that's what we're supposed to emulate and show. So remember, it's twofold. It's not just how we act, it's why. And it also kind of helps us, I think, to be humble in our attitude and our efforts to create change and to get involved in politics, to kind of recognize that we are supposed to live a certain way. And so the next question is, should Christians be involved in politics? Yes, I believe that they should. There are some major issues that we should speak out against. An issue I speak out against a lot is abortion. Um, It harms, obviously, unborn children. It takes away a human right. It's a truly awful, very sad part of our society that we've kind of are slowly, I think our culture has just tried to grow used to, but I don't think actually that we really are used to it. Um, You know, the country in polling is pretty split on the issue still, even though it's been legal for, you know, close to 50 years now. It's, It's not right. It's not okay. It's a bad thing and it harms women. It harms men. It harms families. And obviously, it, it takes away life, and it, it's it's wrong. But Christians are meant to speak out about these things that are wrong with love. Um, political debates—that's not just an excuse to get involved in an argument with somebody. So remember that Titus three, and and you know, go back to it, and memorize it if you want. I mean, we're not meant to shame people or judge people for their way of life or for their decisions or for their past, because we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. That's exactly what Titus says. And so Titus 3 says, and so we are supposed to remember that, but we're also meant to speak truth and to do so in love. And again, you know, I think an important thing too is to pray. Um, That's a way Christians can always be involved in politics. Pray for your leaders, pray for the election, pray for our country, that's in First Timothy 2. It talks about, it says, First of all, then I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So pray for them. 
pray for the people in positions of power. You know, 2020, it's been a hard year. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think all of us were saying, oh, 2020 is, is such a drag in like April and it's, it's going to be November when this comes out. I mean, it's been a year and things have changed. And sometimes it kind of feels like we can't count on the future. Like we can't make plans, but you know, I, I think it's important to remember, you know, God has a plan. God knows the future. Election day is going to be a big one for sure for my family, for the rest of the nation. But honestly, I have peace about it. And I've, I've talked to people about this lately and they, they kind of will ask me, uh, you know, how are you feeling? Is it crazy? How's it going? And I'll say, um, you know, I, I'm like, I have peace about whatever happens because for, for our country, I have one opinion, you know, that I want the election to go a certain way. But for the ultimate plan, I know that God's in control. I know he's in control of my life. I know that he puts leaders in authority and I I have faith in that. And if so if you're if you're feeling worried or if you're anxious, just return to him. Just go back to him, just go to his word, pray. The Bible does address these issues. God cares about all aspects of our life. He cares about even this. And, you know, I, even today I texted a friend to pray for something and it seemed so silly. It was a silly little like, you know, package delivery kind of thing. And I was like all stressed about it. And I prayed and, you know, and I prayed for it and I asked my friend and then earlier I, it, it was worked out and it'll, it'll, probably work out fine. And and it's just one of those things where we are allowed to pray for things um, that might seem small, but again, just go to God and, and, and make sure that you're connected to him um, when you're making these, these plans for your life too. And he's, he's in control. And, and we have to remember our position with God too, you know, in regards to God. I love this one passage. I read Job recently. I kind of was reading, skimming through it. And I just love the ending of Job, like one of the last chapters, I think, well, it's chapter 39, or sorry, 38. And the, the Lord talks to Job. And it's awesome because he's just like, Job is kind of asking, you know, where's God kind of question. And he... God just is like, who are you? Like, where were you? He said, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? You know, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? And and just says, you know, have you ever given orders to the morning? Um, you know, like who marked off its dimensions, like the earth's dimensions? He just goes on and on. And like, really, you should read it because read the whole thing. It's kind of long, so I won't read the whole thing. But Job 38 is so awesome because it's just like remember reminds us to just put ourselves in position in regards to God. He's in control. He is above everything that's going to happen to us, to our family, to our country. He knows what's going to happen tonight, tomorrow. He knows who's going to win the 2020 election. He knows every aspect. He knows all the electoral college votes everybody's going to get. He knows how close it's going to be or how not close it's going to be. He knows how, you know, which states are, we're going to be watching. He is in control. He knows how it's going to turn out. 
but that doesn't mean that we just don't do anything. I mean, that we're still supposed to, I believe we're still supposed to be involved in these things. We are supposed to be involved in the ways that God, you feel God's calling you to be. And that involvement might be just talking to your friend at church who you know it doesn't agree with you on politics and just like being nice, like just being a reason that that person doesn't think your political party is mean. Like that's super important. Like it's super important. You know, people talk about, you know, our country so divided and yeah, I mean, our country, there are a lot of different opinions in our country, but, but remember the media is also very divided, very polarized. And that isn't necessarily a total reflection on how we act one-on-one in our daily lives. Now that's not to like let our country off the hook and say, we're totally fine. No, but these one-on-one personal interactions, that's how that's how change happens, not meaning political change necessarily, but that's how human change happens and human growth and human connection is important to that. And we are meant to engage in that in a different way than the rest of the world does. And just remember that. And the other day, I randomly this thought came into my head, this passage, and I wrote it down the not, it really, I just wrote down, not lean on own understanding. (laughs) And it just occurred to me what that phrase really means. And a lot of times, you know, it's kind of a common, a common verse in Proverbs three, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And that just really like stuck out to me one time. It was don't lean on your own understanding. What does that really mean? It means don't go off of, I think it means we don't go off of only what you know and use that as fact. And this, again, applies not just to, you know, acting as a Christian or or remembering to follow God. It applies in everyday life. Don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't go off of only what you know, because this is acknowledging we don't know everything. We don't know what's going to happen in this election. We don't have the full understanding, but God does. And we're not just supposed to say like, okay, whatever God does. No, we're supposed to trust him. We're supposed to submit to him. We're supposed to acknowledge him. We're supposed to to follow him and he will make your paths straight. And and that's an interesting phrase too, because it kind of says like, if you trust, it sounds like, I think sometimes we read it and I think I've read it this way, trust in the Lord with all your heart and then so that he will make your paths straight. Maybe it does mean that. I'm not, you know, gonna say that I'm interpreting this perfectly. But I think I think we can also see this as trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Like he will reveal the path to you that he has. He already knows the path. And the path might seem really windy to us. <laughs> But he will make them straight. He will direct you in the way you're supposed to go if you follow him. And it goes back to the no flapping. If you don't flap and try to get yourself to your, the position that you really, really want at the workplace or, or your family in the perfect position that you you really thought by now this was going to be it. I was going to have this life. No, trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will make your path straight you will follow on his straight path that he knows where it's leading. And 
again, you know, that's not a perfect interpretation, but I think it's important to remember he's, he's going to be there with us. And this, you know, we trust in God. He's not just going to leave us out to dry. And, you know, he knows we might, we might want to just lean on our own understanding. We might want to just go off of our own perceptions and our thoughts and our ideas and our opinions and accept those as fact and accept those as true. But we're, we're not called to do that. We're called to do more than that. We're called to, to enter into these spaces that are difficult and to do so in a different way and to live a life that's not easy. It's not the status quo. It's not the way that people typically act. And that's important to remember too. On this election day, yes, make your voice heard, vote, talk to people about things that that are important to you and are important to our society. But remember to respect authority and to be humble and gracious to other people, which isn't, isn't easy. Like I said, it's not the status quo. It's different, but you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different if you're a Christian. Know that you probably won't get any recognition out of it. <laughs> like, don't be different to be different and to say I'm different and I'm better. No. No. It, be different because God's calling you to be and because you were once foolish, disobedient, led astray. You were once lost and now you're found. And it's because of God and his grace that you're found. That's why you're supposed to be to treat others with kindness and graciousness and not speak evil of other people and not quarrel and and not have dissensions among you. And so just remember that it's it seems sometimes a little easier to flap your wings and get to the place that you want to be, but we got to trust God and we got to just let him carry us to um, where he wants us to go, but also while being involved and doing so with love. Yeah. And, and just pray for our nation too, because God knows the outcome. I mean, trust him that he knows the outcome, but, but pray because we're also called to do that. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited for when this airs. I have always really always loved election days. I remember telling a friend one time, I was like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if you had your birthday on election day? Because that would be so like, you know, hectic because you'd have to be doing, you know, your birthday. And my friend was like, yeah, that wouldn't be a problem for anyone except for you. (laughs) And I realized I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess other than like political families, election day is a huge deal to everybody in the country. And, and it's important to make that time to in your day to go vote, but it's always been just a thing every, every couple years that's been an event, um, for us. And we, you know, we trust God with it. I trust God with the results. And, um, I know that he has our country in the palm of his hand and, um, that so many people are praying and are involved and uh, we just have to trust him. So thank you for joining me and make sure to go vote. If you haven't voted today, um, make sure that you go out and vote and I will see you all back here uh, next week. Thanks for listening to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond on the Edify Podcast Network. Tune in next time for another powerful exploration of faith, doubt, and all that's in between. And for more faith-inspiring podcasts, download the Edify Podcast app on the Apple and Google Play stores or at edify.app.